This is an ABC podcast. Abdul Aziz Mohammed is normally held in Australian immigration detention on Manus Island. He's a young man from Darfur in Western Sudan. But right now, he's hiking in the mountains surrounding Geneva. Hi, I'm Miyuki Okiranta, and on Earshot, the second part of Aziz's surprising trip halfway across the world. And if you missed the first half of this story, just dial back an ep and find out how Aziz got to Geneva in the first place. All caught up? OK. He's been held on Manus Island since 2013. But this February, he was allowed to fly to Switzerland for a short couple of weeks to accept a major international award wow. for human rights defenders. In all the excitement of his win, Aziz and journalist Michael Green are taking a break, breathing the mountain air and hiking with some new friends. It's still a couple of weeks before Aziz has to return yeah. to Manus Island. The sky's bright and clear. From up high, we can see the full sweep of the lake and the peak of Mont Blanc in France to the south. Eventually we stop for lunch, and so begins an epic snow fight. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> My hands are empty! <laughs> Why nobody trusts me? <laughs> the morning after the award ceremony, I meet up with Aziz in his hotel room, and he's still buzzing. About 20 business cards, or more than that. You know, some of them, even they don't even get a chance to shake hands, so they didn't give me their business card any. And then that woman gave you, that she woman, was the one who was crying. She, she was crying and she gave me two things, you know. She gave me this one. It's the Virgin Mary. Yeah, it's a Mary. And a little key ring of mm. the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, she got really emotional, that woman. She got, yeah, she got emotional. You know, many people got emotional actually. When I, and the, the, uh, the deputy director of the High Commissioner. The award was presented by the Deputy High Commissioner for Human Rights, Kate Gilmore. She's Australian. I mean, she got through, actually. She got me right in the heart, you know. She was crying, absolutely, and hugging me, you know. And uh, she just made me feel like <laughs> my mum is hugging me. <laughs> it's really weird. Was it what you expected? Uh, I wasn't expecting. Honestly, I wasn't expecting nothing, none of this. Refugees in Iraq and Bangladesh and Libya are contacting him, out of the blue. He's on the front page of both daily newspapers in Geneva and getting more media requests from Australia and elsewhere in Europe. See? There's 107 people who've messaged you you haven't looked at. <laughs> That's only on WhatsApp. Imagine, like, you know, on the Twitters will be how many and, and on Facebook will be how many. Have you spoken to your family? Do they know? No, I didn't. I didn't call my mom. I didn't speak to my family. Not until now. I don't know even what to say to them. I guess that brings up a whole lot of other, like, emotions. <laughs> it is, it is. So that's why I need to stay away from it at the moment. <laughs> Just need to concentrate on what I'm doing. So, yeah. His stack of business cards is just the start of it. He speaks to people from several UN bodies, NGOs and academics. On the first morning after the award, he meets with diplomats from maybe 10 or 12 countries at once. And that afternoon, he meets the US ambassador. But the highest profile meeting happens about a week in. We're waiting for the bus. 
Uh, I think we are going to meet the higher commissioner, I think for refugees or, or, or maybe higher commissioner for human rights, because I have no idea, they just asked me to go and meet. The UN High Commissioner for Human Rights is Michelle Bachelet. She used to be the president of Chile. In the mid-70s, Bachelet's father was killed and she and her mother were imprisoned and then expelled by the Pinochet dictatorship. Australia gave her a visa to live in exile. I never actually been out of Manus and then I just got to meet with ambassadors and you know diplomats. So it's like a shaking moment for me. So I panicked a little bit, but I thought to myself, like, look, I mean, if I'm able to walk through this situation in Manus, I'll I'm going to walk through even this one. Yeah. <laughs> After the meeting, I meet up with Aziz inside the building. It's called Palais Wilson, and it's right on the waterfront, grand and ornate. Back in the 1920s, it was the first headquarters of the League of Nations. It's such a, uh, I mean, an honour for me to meet with the, uh, the High Commissioner. She, she said, we are not going to give up on you, and also we are not going to give up on your friend. And it just makes me feel that, I mean, people are giving me such enough energy to fight as hard as I can. One of Bachelet's staff comes in, bearing T-shirts. And it says on the front of it, oh, we're all born free and equal. Your very own. Wow. Pally Wilson uh, notebook. Wilson, uh, so you will never forget Pally Wilson. <laughs> never. That is a free and equal bag. <laughs> this is um, another human rights bag. That one's plastic, so it'll probably hold up better. Thank you very much. Wow. See now I'm getting a gift. Palais Wilson. Since Aziz arrived, every day in Geneva has been bright and crisp and sunny. People are telling us that normally February is the grey month. You can go weeks without sun. There's this cold and harsh wind they get from the northeast off the Alps. They call it Labise, and when it comes in winter, it whips water off the lake, and the water freezes midair. Even though the skies are strangely calm, something bitter like Labise has been buffeting as is. Did you expect that this trip would be as heavy as it is? Well, I mean, I wasn't expected. I wasn't expected it to be like that. You know, if, if like, if, if the same story that you tell only one time, it's okay, but you, you have to repeat it. In every meeting you go, yeah. you have to repeat the stories, but not only the stories, but you have to even, like, you go, deeper to some of the, uh, you know, some of the most traumatised things. Yeah, in a way it's like, you can't stop doing it, like even though it's exhausting you. Well, that's why I'm here. You know, last night at the dinner, I didn't want to even talk about it, but they just asked me, like, how, you know, people want to understand, people want to have a view. How does it feel to be in my shoes? They're telling Aziz something too. Ever since the ceremony, everyone's telling him to stay. UN people after those meetings, activists in Europe and Australia. Some tell him that if he returns, the Australian government would use it as propaganda in the election campaign, as proof that Manus isn't really that bad. And his friends on Manus are saying it isn't safe to return. He should think about his future. But if he doesn't go back to Manus, where can he go? So you've just had another meeting with UNHCR this time? Yeah. And they were talking about resettlement or seeking asylum? Well, they're advising me of like to seek asylum again from Swiss government. <laughs> this is really unfair. Why is it unfair? Well, you know, 
Because six years, I have spent six years of my life, I found to be a refugee. So whatever you've been through in the past, it's not going to be accounted. So you have to go through the process, start from zero. You know, like I can't expend all my life just seeking asylum from one country to another, from one country to another. What I want is a resettlement for myself and for people there on Manus Island. So they are, they are kind of trying to help you? Well, I don't think this is a help. You're just trying to put me in a situation, in another situation. This is not a help. You know, if, you, if there is a proper help, they should just offer a resettlement and then see whether I will accept it or reject it. Sometimes you get so upset and it makes you just sick to your guts that I've been even, you can swear, you know. It's just a shitty system that where the richest get looked after because he has a wealth and the poor just get, you know, tortured and pushed down and pushed down, you know, to stage even no one will, you know, acknowledge his existence. And that is what happened to us. We were poor and we don't have any wealth with us on Manas Island and Nauru. And that's why we get just pushed, pushed back, pushed back, despite we fight so hard. Every person that I met, from the diplomat to ambassadors to missions, every person that I met and I spoke with, he, he knows about Manas Island. They know about it. But what did they do? That's the question. But the problem is who you are. We are just in numbers. And the whole point is, I can just make it very short, that no country is ready to jeopardize their relationship with Australia. Fully stop. The fizzy celebration of the ceremony and the born free and equal swag, it all seems like a cruel joke. I came here for our freedom, and all I got was this lousy human rights t-shirt, notebook and bag. He's also a little more frank about the meeting he had with the High Commissioner for Human Rights. And even she said, she said to me, you know, very clearly that we are not living in a world of fairness and justice. That's what she said. We are not living in a world of fairness and justice. And well, I walked out of that meeting you know, I can't tell whether I was happy or not, but I went to another meeting just to see the same scenarios, you know, from one meeting to another meeting, but no one is promising for any resolutions or even attempting to solve problems. All they can do, we will write a report and wait. As that bitter wind takes hold of Aziz, there are calm moments too, ordinary things. One night, just after we get back to his apartment from a walk by the lake, he gets out his ironing. Oh, gosh, gosh, gosh. Hard to imagine. Start your life again. Have your own house, your own family. Feels so crazy to start it, but maybe you can give it a try. But not here. Just need a bit of time. You talking about me or you? No, no, I mean about myself. Because you already have it. Sometimes you can ask yourself, like, what will be like when you have your total freedom? What will be your life like? And? There is no end. It's just like that. It's a question that you always ask yourself. Because it's hard to, to have the test of the freedom. And then when you have it, kind of, maybe you lose yourself in the middle. It's into Aziz's final week in Geneva. And he finds out that in a few days' time, he'll get the chance to address most of the world's countries at once, at the UN's Human Rights Council. It just happens to be in session. It's huge news. But outside of his meetings, Aziz is laid low, in a kind of contortion. His head's like a pressure chamber, constant headaches. 
there are those two things weighing on him. One's his own future. The other is all those meetings, and whether or not they're achieving anything for the people on Manus and Nauru. I'm trying to find that out too, in my own way as a journalist. I'm Peggy Hicks. I'm the director of the division that looks at thematic issues, including migration, at the UN's Human Rights Office here in Geneva. She's third in charge, two rungs from Michelle Bachelet. I ask her how Australia's offshore detention centres look to the rest of the world. Every international body that's looked at it has said there are violations of international human rights law here. These are treaties. These are obligations that Australia has committed to. The findings are you're violating it. There are recommendations saying you need to change. And Australia has been intransigent, hasn't been willing to do it. And that always raises the question of, well, where are the human rights beliefs? You know, how, how do we get it to happen? And, and the reality is that you can violate treaties. You know, there, there isn't anything other than that world court of public opinion, really, that's going to press Australia to abide by its treaty obligations. So he's going to address the, the Human Rights Council on Thursday. Is, is this a real big deal? It's a big deal in some ways, and in other ways, it's just part of the routine business that goes on every day at the Human Rights Council. He's somebody who's currently experiencing a human rights abuse. Every time they take the floor at the council, to me, it has an impact. But he'll speak for two minutes, and at the end of his speech, somebody else will speak, and the council will go about its business. Is that kind of a, a little bit what, like what happens when Aziz leaves Geneva? The show rolls on? Those of us that work in human rights, that's that's what keeps up, us up at night. But I'm an optimist, and I, I think that he will have touched a lot of people's lives during his time here, and each one of those will be motivated to engage not just on his case, on the situation in Manus, but maybe on migration more generally. And all those people working together, they do make a difference in terms of, of policy, and, and that those efforts then ultimately you know, push governments to change. The Human Rights Council is one of those huge round UN rooms where everyone's listening to translations on earpieces. Aziz goes in there in the morning and waits all day for his turn. He's sitting in a row directly behind the delegates from Vietnam, Venezuela and Vanuatu. Madam Vice President, my name is Abdul Aziz. I would like to invite you to think about your life over the last six years. You may find yourself new job, start a new family, or you can contribute to your family. I also had the dreams like this. Aziz is out of Manus Island and literally speaking to the world. After six years, we deserve our life back and future. And we urge the mandate to take this up with the Australian government. And the Australian government deserves to be held accountable by this council. Thank you very much. Thank you. And I now give the floor to the International Lesbian and Gay Association. The floor is yours. Madam Vice President, we welcome the thematic report. It's Saturday morning just two days before Aziz's visa expires. Despite all the adulation, the speeches to the world, he has no guarantee of protection anywhere. His choice comes down to seeking asylum in Switzerland. I feel like... Or returning to Manus Island. I'm nearly, or maybe I made the decision now. I can say, it's a bigger one. I just, I decided to seek asylum. Wow. How do you feel about that? Well, 
I feel like I'm completely lost, but I mean, it's the right call to make. I mean, to continue my journey of advocacy and also to continue my struggles of trying to make sure that the guys are out of that place. I think, or I see here in Geneva, I have bigger opportunity of doing that. And I know it's really hard and I don't know how to explain to myself or even, even to my friends, but, and I don't know whether a few of them are going to be upset with me. Some of them, they're going to be happy for me because every time I talk to them over the phone, I just say, guys, I want to come back. And they said, you know, it's your decision, but at the end of the day, we don't want you to come back because we feel like it's, it's hard for us to guarantee your protections if you come back to this place. I mean, they said you care about us in the last six years and you managed to fight for us from the day one we've been on detention until the day when you are at the moment. So take your time, think about it, and whatever decision that you make, I mean, we are happy. And what do you feel in your heart when you hear those messages? I mean, I feel like I'm not alone. And also people do care about me and as I do care about them. And people always try to make sure that my safety is their first concern. And as I do, like, you know, here. So it was, uh, I mean, I just, I don't know, but I've just lost myself in the world, you know. I mean, this is the challenge now I'm facing. And the only way I see it now to forgive myself is when I make sure, when I make sure everyone is out of that place, that's the time I can, I'll forgive myself. And, and I cannot do anything or neither even start my life until those people are out of that place. After this conversation, Aziz goes to bed and doesn't leave his room the whole afternoon and night. The booking for his flight to Manus comes and goes. The Swiss detention centre's an hour and a half's drive from Geneva. Michael Kambada, the director of the award, hires a car. Aziz is sitting low and quiet in the front seat, staring out the window, scrolling on his phone. Are you watching Q&A? They're talking about the... Yeah, about the Kotlik. Oh. Enjoy the scenery. Once we get on a highway, enjoy the scenery. This is depressing. You have enough problems. You don't need to get them too. Finally, we reach a small town that strikes me as very unpleasant, at least today. A selection of drab office buildings and brown fields below a hill. The GPS says we've arrived, and Aziz says nothing. There's just a whole lot of anonymous looking buildings. buildings. Yeah. Well, let's park and see where we wind up. It's miserable, wet and windy for the first time since Aziz arrived in Switzerland. The place is actually an old psychiatric hospital. He said you can't record, you can't record anything anymore. All right. Okay. We walk towards a run-down old building at the bottom of the compound. The guard leads Aziz to a converted shipping container, painted white and blue. It doesn't have any windows. We say goodbye and he smiles what seems like a genuine smile, and he goes through the door. A couple of hours later, he texts me that he's still in that little room. He writes, I'm nervous. 
Later, he says they've taken him to a high-security building. My life's meant to be like that, bro. A building full of security guards and very strong doors. The coalition will govern for a third term after an extraordinary, unexpected victory in the federal election. Bruce Bouchani says morale has taken a turn for the worse. About 50 people attempt suicide and self-harm in Manusalan and some Rush of them... The Medivac legislation. Peter Dutton's we can only clean it up if the Labor Party support the government in the Senate to abolish this bill. Protesters in Sudan have been manning sit-ins around the country for weeks as they campaign for a full transition from military rule to democracy. In Switzerland, Aziz passes his sixth Ramadan in an immigration facility, far away from his family. His process goes on. Sometimes the signs seem encouraging, other times disheartening. Until one day in June. Hey, <laughs> Aziz, what's going hey, on? Hey, buddy. Tell me something. <laughs> well, I was just planning to call you and tell you this, buddy. You call now. Well, is it late in Australia? What, well, what time is it now? Yeah, it's 11.30 at night. It's, um, <laughs> it's late, but, but there are some things that uh, I'm willing to stay up for. <laughs> hey, man, I... Um... <laughs> It's just a great news I heard just, uh, I mean, from my lawyer. Yeah, I mean, like it's about 20 minutes ago and she called me and she said, look, hey man, congratulations. Now you, I mean, you have been granted asylum and you've been given a permit D. I mean, I was, I was in the library. I was reading, sitting in the library and then she rang. And how did you feel <laughs> in that moment? What, what were you thinking? Well, Honestly, I feel like someone stabbed me on my heart. Like something, like my heart started beating so fast. Yeah. And I was so excited. Even the guys who were sitting next to me, they were just like, why, you know, what's wrong with this guy? He's just smiling for nothing. Because I was, <laughs> you know, I started smiling. I started smiles and then, and then I walked out of the library and then the phone started ringing. So they like start calling people and then I thought like guys hold on I just let me call my mom first my mom guys yeah second and then I'm not I'm gonna call you all <laughs> wow I can't believe it this is really wow it is really really wow man I mean me neither me neither I can't believe it 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 means that this is a permanent residency now it's a permanent, permanent residency, residency in Switzerland in Switzerland now yeah so I'm like my future is here in Switzerland now Oh my goodness! <laughs> uh, you know, you know, you know what, Michael? Like this is really, really. I mean, tonight I'm sure I'm gonna sleep really. I wanna have a good, good sleep tonight. Is this it? What? A month later, I visit Aziz again in Geneva. Um, we are in the building. This is uh, the part of the university, and today we have a, uh, a meeting which it's only about welcoming the students who are going to enroll in the next semester of the university. He's about to begin a six-week French intensive course at the University of Geneva. Once his French is good enough, he'll have a chance to enroll. Well, I mean, it's still like excited, but also a bit sort of like, uh, I mean, depressed because 
it's like it's been a while, you know, like I've been away from the, that sort of, uh, from the education and now I don't know like how am I going to react my mentally and... Bit nervous. I mean like as well as a bit nervous and it's mainly I really wanted since I was like, I mean, since I left the country, one of my goal is just to finish my education and yeah, back to university and in Geneva, wow. Aziz tells me that since he was granted permanent residency, he's been super busy. Most days he's got meetings about the situation on Manus. He did an advocacy training course for a fortnight and spoke again at the Human Rights Council. He hasn't had time to sort out his own life. He's still living in the asylum seeker accommodation on the outskirts of town. He's eligible for a rental subsidy, and he started looking at ads. But it's really hard for anyone to find a flat in Geneva. He's also trying to figure out how and where he can meet up with his family. It is really like such a big thing that I'm dealing with in my life at the moment. And I'm just sort of like, I mean, the six years that I actually, the gap of the six years, it's become such a huge thing that I don't know like how to fill it up or from where to start. The feeling of guilty is still with me. I'm still carrying like a, I mean, a weight on my shoulder and I still have that feeling. But as well, I feel, I mean, I start also having like a, a positive feeling sometimes about the, uh, I mean, the awareness that now it's happening here. People are learning about what is happening back there in Manus. Most nights he stays up late to coordinate things with lawyers and doctors in the morning, Australian time. It's not such an easy thing. I'm just running and running and running. So I want to keep going, you know, I mean, and I feel if I just stop, if I stop from running, I feel like I'm not going to make it through. So I feel like, okay, let me keep running. Let's keep the blood pumping. It's summertime in Switzerland. On a warm Sunday afternoon, we meet up at one of the swimming spots in town, at the junction of the two rivers. One of them's crystal clear, the other one's cloudy. The waters run fast, and as you look downstream, you can see the colours mix. It is absolutely beautiful seeing, like, look at these guys, they're enjoying, like, having a party. <laughs> dancing on the boat now. <laughs> just people, like, just following the, 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 the lake, and... You don't know, like, you don't know where they're going, but just, like, they're following. Wow. This is really beautiful. There's a dreamy vibe. Young people, picnics, barbecues and drinks, bare skin, marijuana smoke. The riverbank is lush and leafy. Yeah. <laughs> But just a few metres away, an older guy starts yelling at a young man sitting by the water, abusing him for the colour of his skin, telling him to go back to Senegal. Some people intervene. Aziz sighs. Then he gets on with business, keeps the blood pumping, starts tapping out an email on his phone to a Swiss barrister he's met, asking if he'll come to a house inspection with him on Monday and vouch for him to get a place. Hello. 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 
Our Stranger in Geneva was produced by Michael Green. The sound engineer was Melissa May. And if two eps aren't enough and you want to hear more from Aziz, look up the Walkley award-winning podcast, The Messenger. There you can deep dive into what day-to-day life is like on Manus for Aziz and his fellow detainees. Thanks for listening. I'm Miyuki Okiranta, and I'll catch you next time with more Earshot. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.